Welcome, friends, to the Girl Mom Podcast. This is Carrie Kampakis, your host. Today's show is on a topic that I've wanted to write about for years, but I never got to it. It's about the human tendency, especially in the teenage years, to gauge and reflect on your lifestyle in comparison to your peers. As moms, you may hear the mindset of your children go something like this. Well, at least I'm not doing XYZ like my friends. Compared to them, I'm good and I'm doing pretty well. As I look back on my younger years, I think about how I was often called a good girl or considered a good girl, but what I really was was a good girl in comparison. When you're in a pool of people where choices range from A to Z and you gravitate closer to A than Z, people tend to give you a pass. They tend to categorize you on the more favorable end. And the problem with this is that it can create a false sense of security. It can make you think that you have nothing to work on, nothing to address, and nothing to improve because compared to most people your age, you're ahead of the game. You're perfect the way you are. But as Bishop Robert Barron recently said in a Word on Fire podcast, the church isn't interested in spiritual mediocrity. That's not where we set the bar, and if it was, then anyone not committing murder could consider themselves a good guy. There are always people who want to dial down the moral demand, but the goal of the Christian life is to become holy and virtuous. In the Catholic Church, this means aiming to become a saint. And if that sounds impossible, just consider what I heard several years ago at my niece's high school graduation. The priest told these 18-year-olds at a Catholic school that they now knew enough to become saints. They had had the spiritual formation to know what to do. Hearing that statement gave me hope. If an 18-year-old could know enough to be a saint, then surely us grown adults could know enough too. No matter where you are in life or what job or calling you end up in, you can live a life that is holy and set apart. Whether you're the CEO of a company, a teacher, a stay-at-home mom, a broke college student, or a newlywed figuring out life as a couple, you can live a life of virtue that honors and reflects God. Once again, Mary Lauren has joined me to dive into this topic, and my hope is that this conversation will start more conversations among you and your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, Mary Lauren. I'm excited to dive into this topic because it's very different than what we've covered before, but mm-hmm. I think we're going to have a good conversation. I do too. I'm really excited to be back. Um, and the options of topics we are discussing, this one really stuck out to both of us. So I'm excited to dive in. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously you're a lot younger than I am. And so have you ever heard people say that? Like, um, you know, I feel like that happens a lot in the teenage years and the college years is that we tend to look left and right comparing ourselves to everybody else and think, well, I'm doing okay. You know, Mm -hmm. even if we're sinning in some other area, if you're, you know, not doing drugs or sleeping around or doing something big, it can seem like, well, I'm on a good track. Right. It's so easy to just to like measure yourself based on what you see and the people around you. Um, And there's a lot of pride and entitlement that creeps in, you know, with thinking, oh, well, at least I'm not, you know, getting after it every weekend, hammered, kissing random guys. But then like, you know, if you look at sin, the way God views it, it's equal, you know, like it's all equal in his eyes and it all grieves his heart the same. So holding that kind of pride in your heart, you know, is just as disappointing as, um, you know, making bad decisions. So, yeah. And, you know, and I think it's, and even at my age, you can do the same thing. You're just looking mm-hmm. at the person next to you and think, well, I'm doing, at least I'm not doing that or right. I'm not spending my money on that or blowing it that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God is not calling us to compare ourselves to other people. Right. You know, he is setting the bar with Jesus. And mm-hmm. so 
I think we've said before that the Greek word for sin means to miss the mark. Mm -hmm. And the mark God is talking about is the mark that is set by Jesus. And so Mm -hmm. that's our goal is we're trying to hit that mark, and we fail every day. And that's why we need God's grace and his mercy, because we're never going to hit it perfectly. But a truly mature Christian knows that this is really a faith journey. It's not a one-time thing, like I've accepted Jesus into my heart, and now I can do whatever the heck I want. (laughs) You know, that Mm -hmm. it's really about, like, if you're truly loving Jesus and following Jesus, you want to become more like Jesus. And it's Mm -hmm. a lifelong journey, like until our last breath on earth, Mm -hmm. we are trying to get there. And Ellen and I were talking about this topic earlier, and and she was reminding me of something I'd taught her before, and I think we've talked about it too, is that, you know, the more holy you are, the more you see your sinfulness. Mm -hmm. And that's why the saints were always so humble. And like I said, and I know not everybody talks about the saints or believes in the saints like the Catholic Church, but you know, we study the saints because they give us hope. You know, mm-hmm. the saints are all so different, but they're holy in their own way. Mm-hmm. And they're like us. And it just gives us inspiration that, you know, if they could do it, then we could too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, I think it's C.S. Lewis had a quote that says, you know, the holier you are, it's like the cleaner your window is. It's like a clean window. So if your window's dirty, you can't even see how bad you are. That's why bad people don't think they're bad, because they can't even see it. Their window's mm-hmm. so dirty. But if you're truly holy and you're close to God, your window's getting cleaner and cleaner, mm-hmm. but then you're able to see every little speck. And so that's why somebody that's truly holy and virtuous is going to be humble and talking about their sinfulness, even though the rest of us are like, what are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. you're a saint compared to the rest of us. Right. And I think, too, I've heard a lot, a lot of teachings on how God's grace is so real, and He loves you right where you're at. And um, he meets you where you're at with his mercy and with his compassion and with his kindness and with his goodness and his patience. I've heard so many messages on those things, and it's amazing because we could talk about those things for the rest of our life, and it wouldn't even scratch the surface with talking about the fullness of God's grace and mercy and kindness expressed to us towards Jesus and even just his mercies that are new every morning and the grace that we're all living in. But it's easy to forget that He calls us to be holy, like He is holy, you know? And there was one morning when I was reading in Matthew, and there's a verse that says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I was like, huh? <laughs> like, you want me to be perfect? Because, you know, I'm. it's so easy to just rely on the God loves you right where you're at, you know? And, right. But I don't know. Like, God cannot be mocked. Like, you reap what you sow. So mm-hmm. when you sow to the flesh, like from the flesh, you reap destruction. And when you sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit you reap life. There's no getting around that reality. And so no one no one can be Jesus, but we can pursue holiness above all else. And the goal is to look like Him, you know, and to look to look like Jesus, which honestly, it's kind of funny because I don't know if, if you know anything about the Enneagram, but a lot of people I know love it, especially a couple years ago, I guess, whenever it became big. I just heard about it all the time, you know, like, I'm an eight, you know, I'm a peacemaker, I'm a one, I'm a seven, whatever, like, and people would tell me, they'd be like, Mary Lauren, you're just such a seven, you're just such a seven, and I actually um, took the test, and I was a seven, but I don't, I didn't really understand, I still don't really know much about it, but I do know that conversations I was in frequently, I noticed that a lot of people were, like, centering their goals and their prayer life and their, I guess, just self-focus on becoming like the perfect number that they were like like if if they were a seven it'd be like okay my goal is to become the healthiest seven like the best seven that I can possibly become or like 
if I'm an eight, my goal is to become the best, healthiest eight I could possibly become. And I couldn't figure out why that rubbed me wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just like in my heart, I just noticed it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I went into prayer about it for a minute and I felt like the Lord was just reminding me that the goal isn't to be a perfect seven. The goal isn't to be a perfect eight. The goal is to be like Jesus. Right. And it's going to look different whether you're a seven mm-hmm. or an eight. But right. yeah, I, that's exactly what I was thinking when you were saying that. And you know, some people have different opinions about the Enneagram. I know some right. in the faith community, and I believe that's right. probably why, because people use it Definitely. in the wrong way. They might You can make a god or an idol of the Enneagram. Right. But it is it is good. I think it's oh, helpful yeah. in helping you figure out your personality, and it'll show you well, if you're growing in a healthy direction, it looks right. like this. Oh, Unhealthy, yeah. it looks like that. But one thing that I, I did like about, I think it was called The Road Back to You, that Enneagram book, what it said at the end that I thought was really helpful was how each each personality it shows a different characteristic of God. Oh wow! And so, like, I'm a number one, and you read about a number one, and that's the perfectionist, mm-hmm. and so it's the reformist. Mm-hmm. And so, the the problem with being a perfectionist is sometimes you see everything that is wrong, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't, I don't want to see all of this. But it can make you, um, a, you know, you appreciate a moral life. You know, like mm-hmm. it makes you really strive to to live righteously if you're on a, a healthy path. But uh, what I loved about it is it says that that reflects God's desire that the world was supposed to be perfect, and He one day it will be perfect again, but it's mm-hmm. just not now. Right. And so it reflects that. Number two reflects God's love. Mm-hmm. I forget what three is, but um, number eight is the challenger. That, that reflects God's strength. Like mm-hmm. there's different, and all of these qualities make up God, and mm-hmm. so we need all these different personalities. But right. it is, if we're growing into the image of Christ, it's going to look different mm-hmm. from one person to another. You might have somebody who's very vocal and outspoken and outgoing. Going, right, and you might have somebody else who's very contemplative and reflective and just more quiet, mm-hmm. but they're still both effective and important in God's kingdom. Right, because everybody's made in God's image, and everyone reflects Him in a different way. But it's and it's honestly helped. I mean, most of my friends have been greatly, greatly impacted by the Enneagram, and it's given them a lot of self awareness and discernment on like areas to grow. And there was one day I read the description of a seven, and I don't remember all of it, but I remember relating to all of it. It talked about like, you know, being scatterbrained and like wanting a little bit of everything and like always wanting to have fun and being so in the moment that sometimes you miss like the power of preparation. I was like, yep, that's me. <laughs> um, but it is easy just to forget that, you know, if we are just focusing on Jesus, like just locking our eyes on him, like he's everything. Like he is all things to all people at all times, always. And no one's going to meet the standard or be as perfect as he was and is. Um, but the fact that he invites us into that, like to be holy, like he is holy. Mm-hmm. It's like just focusing on that word holiness, like his utter purity of character. Like he isn't loving outside of, like he isn't loving without being holy too. You know, like he isn't just, it's out of his utter purity of character that he is just, you know, like his holiness is so in all of his attributes. Um, and so it's just really cool to me that he invites us into that with him. Mm. I'm just excited to talk about what that looks like, you know, practically. I know. I am too. And and let's talk about this, you know, the good girl in comparison, because I think mm-hmm. that, like I said, I always, I look back and I'm like, you know, I was the good girl. And so you really can think like, oh, I'm good, you know, compared to I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But mm-hmm. you're still no saint. And I think it's good for, it's easy for a girl to fall into that or a guy to fall into that too. Mm-hmm. But and when, when I really think about, like, why do we do that? Like, why do we have such a hard time seeing things about ourselves that need improvement? And I always go back to this. Like, I think we just have, 
it is an innate human desire that we want to believe we are good. Mm-hmm. And even when I was writing fiction, I always thought it was so fascinating because they would always tell us when you're writing a villain, like the best villains, when you're writing the best villains, no villain, nobody thinks they're the villain. Like mm-hmm. nobody thinks they're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. So if you look at any really well-written villain in a, you know, in a script or a movie or a book or whatever, like they are, they think they're justified in what they're doing. Wow. Maybe, well, somebody killed my dad or they did this, so they deserve it. But no, even a villain, even the worst person in this world will not say that they're a bad person. You mm-hmm. know, like people can't handle thinking that about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what really can trip us up in our spiritual life, especially if we are getting prideful or thinking, well, I'm doing well compared to everybody else right. because we don't want to see ourselves. And so mm-hmm. we've said this before, like the only way you can really pull back that curtain and see yourself accurately is like right. you've got to be so secure in God's love. Yes. Like you've got to know yes. he loves me so much, even when I am a mess and mm-hmm. even when I am doing terrible things or whatever, right. despite all that. And when you're so secure in that, then you can like, okay, I'm going to lay it all on the table, God. Right. And just, and even pray like, okay, if I, what I'm not seeing about myself, open my eyes so that I see my blind spots. Yes. Help me see this. Yes. Cause you know, I feel like the second you feel like you've arrived is the minute you've like missed the whole point, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause the fullness of God never ends, you know, like there's an end to, to being good. I feel like, you know, there's an end to being kind. There's an end to being selfless, but there's the fullness of God never ends. So like, and I feel like in my own spiritual life, the more I grow closer to Jesus, the more I realize how far off I am, but the more loved I feel at the same time. Does that make sense? Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's the craziest exactly. dichotomy going on. It's like, But it's so neat because it just inspires you to be like, okay, let me right. just keep looking at it all right. and not being ashamed about these things. Right. Like, I need, I'm doing pretty well here, but right. in this area, I need some improvement. Uh-huh. Like, he didn't come for the righteous. Like, he came for the people who knew they were sinners and were ready to repent. And I feel like, oh, my gosh, that verse in Isaiah, it literally says, repentance and rest is your salvation quietness and trust is your strength. That's a big statement to say that your salvation is repentance, like turning from sin mm-hmm. and resting. And I don't know, that could mean resting in who God is. Like he's holy, he's just, he's faithful, he's merciful. You know, he loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. I've heard that my whole entire life and I didn't really know what that meant. I feel like until a little bit later, but it's just the fullness of God never ever ends. And so that means that we'll never have a reason to stop trying to be like Jesus, you know, to stop seeking Him, to stop. Because it is amazing when you are in God's presence, naturally anything that's sinful is exposed because He's so holy. And when you're in that light, you know, it it kind of just like, you know, when you're in His presence and you feel like He just pokes things, you're like, oh, I didn't want to think about that. But now I'm thinking about it. Like, right. oh, I didn't want to pray about that. But it's hilarious. Sometimes when I'm praying, I'm like, I just don't want to talk about that. And it's like, he already knows what I'm thinking. So it may as well just bring it to him. But anyway, when you expose those things in the light, it's crazy how scary it can feel of like, oh, wow, like, here we go. I'm letting it out. But then it's amazing how loved you'll feel at the same time. It's like, he is just so with us and for us um, and behind us. Um, But at the same time, you know, I look at the Psalmist David who prayed, Lord, search me. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Show it to me and lead me in the way everlasting. And we've talked before of like, I've never prayed that prayer without the Lord showing me something. You know, like Mm -hmm. every single time there's something because I'm still sinful. You know, I love Jesus. I'm trying to become more like him every day, but I'm still flesh and blood. You know, I still crave the desires of the flesh. And 
we just brought up Paul saying, you know, what I want to do, I don't do. But what I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. It's just like that constant tension between the spirit and the flesh. Um, but even just, there's so many scriptures that back this up. But even the, the one that says, don't point out the speck of dust in your brother's eye before removing the plank of wood in your own. You know, like we always have blind spots and we always have things we can't see. And it is so sweet that the Lord is right there with us, ready to point these things out. And Yeah. And, you know, and let's get a blind spots, too. And that's something I never really heard much about until recent years. But like Harry and I have talked about this. I think he heard a podcast on it. But I'm like, that's that's so true. Like, you know, this is one of the many reasons why the people you spend time with matters and the mm-hmm. friends that you have matter. because. Right. Uh, and the person you marry really matters because they're mm-hmm. your reality check. But, yes. you know, we all these blind spots that we don't see about ourselves, and mm-hmm. we need people in our life to help us see them. Right. And so I think the point is to not only be praying for God to reveal the blind spots to us, but also to have those people in our life that are willing to, to reveal that to us. Right. And so let's kind of think about, like, just practically speaking, you know, for somebody that thinks, I'm the good girl in comparison, or I don't have much to work on, like, what does it look like to really, like, let's pull back that curtain and see, mm-hmm. you know, there's always something that we can be right. working on. And this is not about striving, and no. it's not about hustling or mm-hmm. trying to prove our worth. Like, we have nothing mm-hmm. to prove to God. Right. But, you know, you know, it benefits us. As we get closer to God, Definitely. we're going to be happier. We're going to have more peace. We're Definitely. going to be, you know, have a holier lifestyle and mm-hmm. have more virtue. And one parable I really love is the parable of the empty house. And I heard about this a few years ago when I was talking to a priest that, he was t- telling me, I was like, you know, what do you see as the biggest issue with teenagers these days? And he was like, basically, like, the lack of a moral code, just mm. kind of promiscuous living. Mm-hmm. And he just he just said that, you know, a lot of people don't like to talk about why virtue matters. And, you know, the parable of the empty house, it talks about, you know, there's somebody with some unclean spirits. And so they get the unclean spirits out, but you're empty. This is, your house is empty. And it, the basic point is that an empty house doesn't stay empty. And so the evil spirits leave mm. the person but then they they kind of get bored and they say, well, let's go get let's go back. And mm-hmm. so the evil spirit goes back and brings friends. And so the person ends up worse off than they were before. Wow. And so he was like, the reason that virtue matters is because when you fill up on virtue, when mm-hmm. you are filling up on kindness, love, integrity, honor, mm-hmm. all these things that honor God, when your house is full of those things, then the evil doesn't have room to get in. The mm-hmm. darkness doesn't have room to get in. And so that's why a virtuous lifestyle does make a difference. It makes a difference in the type of person you're going to become and, you know, what's inside of you. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. And, again, before we get into the practical steps, it's I think part of the reason it's so hard to remember this and to really live this out is because the culture around us is so real and consuming and honestly pretty far off from the way of the Lord that He set out for us in Scripture because nowadays, you know, sexual immorality is normal. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like it makes more sense financially and um, in a lot of ways just to, like, live with your boyfriend before you're married. Or in college, everything's lighthearted. Just kissing boys, it's it's lighthearted, you know, or just having a few drinks is fine. And, you know, I think that God, the Holy Spirit, convicts everyone. And I always pray, I'm like, Lord, set your boundary lines in pleasant places for me. You know, like, show me where to draw the line and, like, more than that, give me a heart that doesn't even want to come close to it. Like, I just want to be so much, I want to want to be like you. You know, I'm like, I believe that you are true and real, but help me, like help me in my unbelief because it's so easy to live our lives based on what we see. But what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so I think remembering that, you know, what's our standard? It's not the culture around us, you know, that's constantly changing. And 
um, even just the people around us, what they're deciding to do. We want to set the standard according to God's word. And, you know, he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Um, you know, it, he says that he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, arts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one of you has a complaint, one another forgiving each other as the Lord God has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. You know, there's so many verses that talk, that list things of like, I mean, I just read that list, but I mean, I need to work on all those. I need to work on my patience. I need to work on my meekness. I want, I need to work on bearing with people. I think just remembering that this is the standard, you know, the word of God is a standard and measuring your life based on that word. That's what lasts forever. And so I think a practical way of doing this is pretty obvious, just like getting in God's presence, you know, and, and reading the word, because it's hard to know what the standard is if you don't ever hear about it or um, seek to know what it is. But again, it's what you said, everything written in this book is for our freedom. You know, and, and the enemy lies, and he's like, you know, if you really give your life to Christ, or if you really live according to that standard, you might miss out on freedom. But he says in Galatians 5, 1, that it's actually for freedom that he set us free. So stand firm in it, and don't let yourself be burdened again by yoke of slavery. And people wonder, like, well, if I really give my full life to God, I might miss out on good things. But he says in Psalm 34 that the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So I don't know. There's so many different and also too, like one I used to struggle with was like, Lord, I want to I want to experience life to the full. Like I don't want to miss out on the good life. But John ten ten says the enemy came to steal and kill and destroy, but I came so that you might have life and life to the full. Every single thing written in this book is to give us freedom and to give us abundant life, not just in part but in full. So I think realizing that truth first and foremost, that mm-hmm. everything God asks us to do is for us. It's not to take from us, it's for us, like to add to us is huge. Yes, I think so too. And so, so let's think practically. If somebody doesn't even read the Bible mm-hmm. and they're not familiar yeah. with all of that, like the, what are some ways we to grow more virtuous? What are some ways to grow more holy? I think asking the people around you, like mm-hmm. truly. I mean, having a moment and being like, "Do you see any blind spots in me? Right? Do you see anything I can work on?" That will first of all shock the person you're talking to. <laughs> they're gonna be like, "This is the most humble girl I've ever met," but. I mean, seriously, you can just be like, I want to grow. I know that I'm not perfect, <laughs> which I think, you know, we joke like no one's perfect. No, but like acknowledging that, like, no, seriously, I am not perfect. Like, cause we think we are sometimes we're like, oh, I'm right. s- we, we just talked about that. You know, it's easy to be like, I'm a good girl. You know, I make the right decisions, but, um, you actually couldn't be more far off, you know, in terms of anyway, we've talked about that in another podcast about, how to make good decisions, but not judging your classmates who don't. Mm-hmm. You can listen to that one about having a prideful heart. But um, no, I think just truly confronting someone that you know you can trust. They're not going to sit there and like be like, finally, this girl is asking me all these things. No, just asking someone you trust, being like, seriously, like, do you see anything in me that I don't see? Right. I think yeah. That's huge. I think so too. And also, I think thinking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, like, okay. Mm-hmm. What are the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and how can I grow in these different virtues? Mm-hmm. So you talked about patience. Like, I need to grow oh, yeah. in patience. Most of us need to grow in patience. And I was telling somebody the story the other day because it came to mind, but I think it's a great example of patience and, like, how God uses different events in our life, even things that drive us nuts. And mm-hmm. sometimes the overall goal might be to teach us patience. Oh, yeah. But I have a friend that was very successful in high school. She's still very successful. She was always a great athlete. and. Her dad had been a big football player, and he was the coach of her softball team when she was younger. 
And she was like, I'll never forget this one year that we had this girl on our team and she drove me nuts because she was always missing the ball and mm. she, you know, would make us lose a game and mm-hmm. I would get frustrated. And I think she tried to, to give her dad some tips on like mm-hmm. what she could do, what he could do to get this girl to step it up. And her dad basically told her, you know, she, her purpose on the team this year is to teach you patience. Mm. And uh, she loved, I love that she remembered that lesson. Wow. And I also love that her dad had the wisdom to see that. Right. That instead of being like most coaches, he would just get frustrated with that girl as well. Mm-hmm. He saw that bigger picture. Oh, God really does use everything. Wow. And so I think when we go into our life looking at like, okay, look at your day. Like maybe God is trying to teach you patience with right. that person that you're working with that's driving you nuts. Right. Or that person who just always blurts out the wrong thing mm-hmm. and you just want to like retaliate. Yes. You know, these things, these moments. And, you know, what I've learned, too, is that, you know, usually the holy way, usually what God wants us to do is the exact opposite of our knee-jerk reaction. Right. You know, usually oh my our gosh. first instinct is not our best instinct. So true. And whether well, it is like the first thought that comes to mind and even, you know, sometimes like, oh, I'm about to say this, but I can stop uh-huh. myself. And mm-hmm. I've, I've gotten better about that in recent years. But, right. you know, not just blurting out that first thought. Um, say you're upset with somebody and you just want to like send a text or an email, just right. don't go straight there. Right. You know, and that really helps build your spiritual discipline. Uh-huh. It can really help build that, those, those virtues that if you just sit on it and pray about it right. and just wait, then sometimes you'll have a totally different response. And God is so sweet. Like he helps us in our weakness, you know, like mm-hmm. he literally says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Instead, we have one who's been tempted in every way yet he did not sin. And so I think about, you know, even in, Um, in scripture when it says be angry and do not sin like he's literally giving us permission to be angry you know like because I've had so many times where I'm feeling inconvenienced or annoyed or (laughs) rubbed wrong by the people God specifically puts in front of me so I love that you said that just the truth that God that Christ is all and he's in all and when you start viewing your life like looking for the Lord in all of it you start seeing everything as an opportunity Mm -hmm. not as an interruption but um I don't know. I love that he literally says, be angry and do not sin. Like he's giving us permission. Like you can feel angry. Like you can feel inconvenience. You can feel annoyed. That's not the problem. Just in your anger, do not react. Do not sin. Don't act out of your emotion. That's what you're saying about your knee jerk response. Um, Because sometimes that's what happens. You know, we just want to react out of our emotion and not in truth. You know, like we don't really say what we want to say or do what we want to do all the time. Um, so I feel like that's a great practical way to um, just, I just thought about this quote that I heard on a podcast. I'm, I'm trying to remember where I heard it, but it basically says, check yourself before you wreck yourself because like, oh, that's good. our temptation like that. just to like act and to respond and to mm-hmm. retaliate and to react. And it's like, just check yourself really quick, you know, just really quick because then you'll end up in more, t- in more turmoil and more dysfunction than you mm-hmm. would have if you had just like waited. And this goes back to choosing good friends because True. you know the wrong friends are going to tell you, oh, go do it. Go key his car. Yes. Go do this to the new girlfriend. Oh like gosh. the wrong friends will be cheering you mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. to do these things that are not going to lead to virtue. Right. And so it really does matter who you're hanging around, mm-hmm. who you're getting advice from because right. the wrong friends it will lead you into destruction like that. And it's crazy how even the world talks about you know like just the truths of like you do you and you know Mm -hmm. the second someone doesn't serve you you know just like cancel them you know like you do what you need to do like which I'm not doing a good job of explaining like all the worldly truths that are out there of like self-care you know like just 
self-care is a great thing, you know. But I think, you know, God doesn't call us to reject someone the second they don't serve us, you know, like he doesn't call us to like cancel people the second they rub us the wrong way, you know, and I think that that's actually the opposite of what God calls us to do, you know. He's like, if you love those who love you, like, like everyone does that. Like even demons do that. But it's like, if you love your enemies, you know, and pray for those who persecute you. And, you know, I think that's his heart is just to have a softened heart for everyone, you know, not just the people mm-hmm. that suit your interests, that make you feel good about yourself, that affirm you and hype you up and like encourage you. Cause you know, we're sinful, you know, I think we're sinful. And so just doing you doesn't always look like doing the way of Jesus, you know, and canceling someone the second they hurt your feelings. It's like, maybe God had something more for you in that, you know, maybe he wanted to show you something about his forgiveness and something about his grace and what you said, teach you something about patience. Mm-hmm. I also love that you're married to Mr. Harry because he's the most patient man on earth. <laughs> yes, he is. Thank goodness he's the most patient person. Well, not that you need it, but... No, I do. It's, it's just cool. funny because I'm the most impatient person. So no. I'm like, I compare us. No, no, you're not. It's good when your spouse's strength is your weakness. Well, like that's it's, it helped, it's helped me grow in that area because I, sometimes I'm like, he's just not in a rush. He's, I wasn't even saying that because you're, you're also one of the most patient people. But it no, is, I'm really not. He's but. just like noticeably <laughs> oh yeah that is I mean that's probably one of his top three biggest strengths wow he's really patient wow and so let's talk about let's see let's think of the other fruit of the Holy Spirit as far as we're trying to mm-hmm. grow in virtue mm-hmm. um, we've got love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control oh man so just think of like okay so what might God just are like hard everyday situations but how might God be trying to help us grow in the joy. Okay, I've got another example with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that just having joy, no matter what our circumstances are, mm-hmm. and finding, you know, we have so much to complain about every day. Mm-hmm. We think we do, but just not getting on that bitter train. Right. And um, I was thinking about this story the other day, too. You know, we did a trip back in December. It was a mother-daughter trip to New York. Mm-hmm. And I went with Marie Claire and some of her friends and their moms. And most of us were on the same flight, but several people had later flights. Mm-hmm. And so some of us got there at like 9 o'clock on Friday morning. So we were so ready for everybody else to get there. Mm-hmm. And so one of the moms and girls, they were um, they had flown to D.C. They had a different flight than us. And then they got stuck in D.C. because the pilot didn't show up or something happened. And so we were like, oh, like we just wanted them to get there. And so they decided they were going to take the train from D.C. to New York. Mm-hmm. And so our response, we're sitting there texting with them. We're like, oh, that is such a pain. I can't believe, mm-hmm. you know, the pilot didn't show up, blah, blah, blah. But she texts me. She's like, y'all, I'm actually kind of excited. I'm excited to see the land between D.C. and New York. And I get this time with my daughter. But, like, just the way that she saw that situation, it just changed my attitude. And we were Mm -hmm. like, she has the best mindset. And she's just like that. She sees life like that. And I love having people in my life who are like that because it helps Mm -hmm. me think more like that, too. Mm -hmm. But I think that's just such a perfect example that helps you practice the virtue of joy right. and patience again, uh-huh. too. It's just reframing yeah. how you're seeing the situation. Yeah. I think peace is something I've been thinking about a lot, too, and in the sense of how like it's promised to us. I think a lot of the times, I mean, there is such real, um, there is such real mental health um, in the world, and there's genuinely like physical imbalances in people's brains that are, like give them anxiety and all the things. But I do feel like the enemy has spoken this lie that peace is like subjective, like you may or may not have it. But then I read, I was reading in John 14 and it said like, my peace I give to you. Like my peace I leave with you. I don't give to you as the world gives. So don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. And I think that 
for me for a long time, I thought of peace as like everything in my life going perfectly well, you know, like having peace in my family, having peace in my friendships, having peace at school, whatever it was. And then I met this woman, one of my mom's friends who was going through a horrible divorce. Um, Two of her kids were wayward and her husband, I don't even remember the details, but I remember basically her, her life was falling into shambles and it was like a living hell is what it sounded like. But she had the most peaceful, at ease disposition. Like when I spoke to her, it was like, you would have thought everything in her life was going perfectly well. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, that just showed me that like peace isn't the absence of hard things happening in your life. Like all peace is, is the, as- is the absence of God's presence. So like, I don't know. I think that even when, you know, your mind is racing and your life is seems like it's falling apart. I think it's interesting to think about how like God promises us peace. Mm-hmm. So like your spirit can feel peace, can have pe- can be at peace even if your body is not at ease and your life is a, is a wreck. I do think that, you know, it's Yeah, and I, I think even living in a place where mm-hmm people a lot of times your life can feel almost perfect it's right. almost like I feel like and even in my life I feel like I've had seasons where everything was so lined up and I didn't have peace yes and it's almost like the more close so the closer you feel like your life to be in that perfect image of what you think it you want it to be yeah like the closer you are the more I don't know what it is but sometimes the less peace you have and then yeah we had that year that the tree fell on our house and mm-hmm. we were in a rental and we had to move four times and Harry started commuting and it was like the most stressful year of my life, but it also was some of the deepest peace. Mm. And so, but it was such a gift from God because when you experience peace in a situation like that, you know that it's not you. You Mm -hmm. know that uh, this is what he talks about with that supernatural peace that Mm -hmm. surpasses all understanding. Right. Oh, okay. I get it now. Yeah. And so that really is, it comes from God and Mm -hmm. it's usually when you don't expect it, Mm -hmm. but it's when you, you need it. And it is such a gift and it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. And I think it does come from being faithful and Definitely. from trusting him Definitely. and just really looking to him as you're walking through hard things. And it's God's grace to remind us that if you ever look to a person or a thing on earth to give you what only God can give you, like you're missing the whole point, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's his grace to give us the things we think we want, well, that we do want, not even things we think we want, things we definitely do want. And then giving us a little bit of a discontent, dissatisfied feeling in it to remind us, like, remember where your help comes from. You know, right, he's right. the refuge. Um, I love that you brought up the fruit of the spirit, though, because they're obviously impossible to have, like, without the power of God, you know, yeah. at work in your life. Yeah. Self-control. Whew. I know. Well, I was going to, that's <laughs> funny. I was going to go to that one next. And I think that's something that we don't talk about enough. Me too. You know, that I, we don't talk about discipline and just those, those little things you do every day. And even I'm reading a book on marriage by the Gottmans. They are, mm-hmm. They are like the relationship experts, and it's so interesting that they can look at a couple, I think, for 15 minutes, and they can predict with 90% accuracy whether they'll make it. And I just got into the first chapter, but one of their biggest things is like, it's not the grand gestures that make a relationship last. Mm -hmm. It's like those little things you do every day that that really is. It says little, they call it these little moments of connection, just Uh taking time to like, oh, honey, look at this article, or let me tell you about this story, or making eye contact, or just sharing a quick kiss. It's like those little interactions that really Mm -hmm. set the stage for that long-term success. And I think that self-discipline and self-control is just an example of that, that Mm -hmm. just you learn some self-control and some self-discipline in little areas it can go into other areas too mm-hmm. but it is important you know and if I was 
it's something I would really talk about a lot with little kids because they have no self-discipline. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what you're trying to do with little ones is they're just like mm-hmm. raw, unfiltered human beings. And so mm-hmm. really, you know, as a young mom, you don't understand why it matters. You're, you're mm-hmm. trying to teach it to them, but you really only see it as you get older that mm-hmm. just those little things, you right. know, they set the stage for everything. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so the self-discipline, like I said, not, not saying the first thing that comes to mind. Right. Or, you know, limiting yourself, not eating five cupcakes, that, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you want to protect your body and you want to, you know, enjoy life, but, mm-hmm. you know, be healthy too. Right. Um, I mean, there's so many things with self-discipline. And I think a lot of people never learn the self-discipline or they don't learn just how to say no or how to get through that awkward moment that, okay, you're at a mm-hmm. party and everybody's doing something and you feel awkward and sometimes you give in because mm-hmm. you don't know what else to do. And it takes a lot of self-discipline to right. be like, no, you know, I'm not going to make that choice. Right. But, you know, if you can get through those little moments, those little temptations, mm-hmm. it's probably preparing you for a bigger temptation. So true. And that's what, you know, we got to remember that that's, it's going to set the stage for you to get even holier, mm-hmm. you know, and closer to God. That is, that's exactly what I was thinking about of like, when you're faithful with the little things God tests you in, mm-hmm. he trusts you with bigger things. Um, and, you know, again, if you've, I mean, we've all messed up a thousand, <laughs> thousand million bajillion times. So obviously he makes all things new. Um, and has so much grace for the people that have, are, are listening to them. They're like, dang it. I have no self-control, you know, cause I'm working on it too. But just the little things, the little reminders of like, you know, what you said, not eating five cupcakes. Well, I know so many girls who like don't eat anything, you know, and like, or who overindulge and both of those like are sinful, you know, but like mm-hmm. you have to view yourself in the right way of like, my body is a holy temple, you know, housing the Holy Spirit. So it's not to like deprive you to tell you to not eat five cupcakes. And it's not to like limit you telling you um, just to have self-control. It's, it's to free you, you know, to free you and to get to enjoy things and not overindulge or underindulge. You know what I'm saying? It's right. like, yes. it's for freedom. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. And again, he'll put specifically, I mean, again, God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But he will test you and give you opportunities to like rely on the Holy Spirit, you know, because there's always that tension of like, this is what I want to do. This is what I know I ought to do. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll be surprised with, you know, God, with the pleasure you feel when you obey the Holy Spirit, you know. Yeah. I had to ask him, I'm like, God, why is it so like, why is it more pleasurable to satisfy the desires of the flesh? Like, why can't you just make that the opposite where it was like easier, more pleasurable to satisfy the desires of the spirit? And I feel like he, you know, I did not hear God audibly say this, but I just had this thought in my head of like, what if I wanted to make it that way? You know, like, what if I wanted to help you get to that point? Not that I'll never not be flesh, you know, like on earth, I will always be walking in flesh and struggle with those desires. I think just to constantly remind us to be reliant on our need for the Lord. I don't know. I think that's something he wants to surprise us in is like letting you experience freedom, letting you experience pleasure, letting you experience joy and following the Holy Spirit, you know, instead of the flesh. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And something else I was thinking about with self-control is just how, you know, realizing that, you know, what, what's tempting to you is going to be different than what's tempting to somebody else, Mm -hmm. but realizing it's all, you know, sin or whatever, but Right. You know, one thing that I've struggled with in recent years is this sounds so silly, but it's online shopping <laughs> because especially you just like I, I used to be very diligent, like I know exactly how much I was spending. But with four daughters and, you know, Christmas and I'm always looking for a dress or there's always something they don't really like to shop. And a lot mm-hmm. of times I have to come up with several options. I have to bring them 10 options to find the, the right dress. 
us, you know, just to find something that we agree on. And I get so many emails from moms, like, how do you shop for your daughters? Like, where do we go? And I'm like, personally, like for us to find something that we agree on, Mm -hmm. that's pretty and different, like I have to put some time into it. Mm -hmm. Like, I know not everybody will do that. But for me, it's worth it because I'm trying to help them find dresses that they feel good in, but that I'm okay with them wearing too because mm-hmm. it's some slim pick- pickings out there sometimes. Yeah. But um, but anyway, but with online shopping, you can really get, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh my word, like I get my credit card bill after Christmas. Like, how did I, I didn't even realize I spent that much, but you're, you're buying and you're returning and right. you kind of lose track. And it's different than when I was growing up when you would mm-hmm. go to the store and you knew exactly what you were buying and you didn't really buy it unless you liked it you know Mm -hmm. you weren't returning so many things like we do now but I was laughing at myself that I can be like oh goodness I don't see how anybody has a addiction to like pornography or something like that like that sounds so foreign to me because that has never been tempting and so but one day you know I'll open up my email and have all these emails from different places that I've done online shopping with Mm -hmm. and so I'm like it's almost like those are my my drug dealers reaching out to me sometimes like that maybe that's my drug it's different but it's like such a sign of like I get all these emails Mm but these places that I've been shopping with over the years right and it shows you that that's that's what's hard for me you Uh know Uh and it might not it might not be like I said the eating or the pornography or the drugs or whatever, but it's still something there too that needs some self-discipline. So true. And if it takes your attention off of the Lord, it grieves his heart, like no matter what it is, no matter what the thing is. Mm -hmm. So attaching like different levels of shame on different sin is just so from the enemy because God is looking at all of it saying like, I just want your attention on me. Um, Mm -hmm. But I love that. Even just, I have to be so self-controlled in my time, the way I spend it. Um, It's so easy for me to like, get coffee with someone and then get coffee with someone else. And then like five hours went by and I didn't do what I needed to do. And it's like, I have to be self-controlled and saying no again, not to limit myself, but to free myself up to do the things I'm called to do really well. Um, and that takes a lot of self-control, you know, being like, you know, I actually have to leave. I actually can't get lunch. Maybe next week, you know, maybe in a couple weeks, um, which we've talked about that before too. in our podcast on rest, mm-hmm. the power of saying no, um, but one, another fear of the Spirit that I feel like has been huge for me is gentleness. Mm-hmm. Um, 1 Peter 3, 4, it's sweet. It's actually um, a verse that came up recently, and it says that, you know, don't let your adorning come from fancy clothes and jewelry, but uh, let your beauty come from the unfading. I'm saying the verse wrong, but basically saying let your beauty come from the unpa- the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. And just like gentle and quiet, you know, again, just those two words. We've talked about it. I think mm-hmm. we talked about it on the dating podcast of like what those two words mean. Yes. But I think just, you know, being quiet before the Lord and gentle before other people is what that verse is talking about. Because I used to discount myself. I'm like, well, can't be me. I'm loud and I'm talkative. But it's just talking about the posture of your heart and, you know, just meekness and gentleness, those things. With humility, I feel like it all goes hand in hand of just being gentle with the people around you and mm-hmm. realizing there are people too that need God's grace just as much as you do and not just being so quick to get offended or to like look for the flaw um, or even just to like, like sometimes I, I I used to struggle with this. I would come like busting through the door and be like, mom, like da da da, I need to talk to you about this and this. And I don't know. I feel like the Lord has really helped soften my heart to gentleness and like, what it looks like. It doesn't look like denying reality. It doesn't look like not talking about problems or having hard conversations or feeling emotion. It's just 
approach people with a grace, you know, and with yes. a gentleness. Yes. And, you know, it's something, you know, as we're trying to put stories to go with these points that I think of, and you realize this the older you get because you know, people go through different situations and we live in such an ungentle society. We do. But just, you know, one motivation to try to be gentle is that you always hear you never know what people are going through and you right. don't. Right. But, you know, I had a friend that she said several years ago, she, you know, she'd had a doctor's appointment that day. And when she came home from her doctor's appointment, she got this really ugly phone call from the secretary at their school. And she was just getting on to her because she filled out the front side of this form and not the back side of the form. And she needed to come back and fill it out. And mm-hmm. obviously this person at the school was just not a happy person or not having a good day. But anyway, she was very rude in the way that she delivered it. Mm-hmm. But this friend of mine, she had just gotten back from a doctor's appointment where they told her she had cancer. So, you know, I think when I think about that story, I'm like, that woman at the school would be mortified if she knew she treated her that way right. after she just found out she had cancer. Oh Anybody with a heart would be like, I can't believe I just did that. But how many times have we done that and right. you don't even realize that you're lashing out at somebody or maybe they made a mistake or they did something wrong on your brochure or whatever right. it is mm-hmm. and your immediately re- immediate reaction is to lash out mm-hmm. and yet you never know what's going on. Right. So another story on gentleness that comes to mind was a couple years ago, and this was something on me that I, in my impatient nature, was getting frustrated with this guy who was doing our driveway. He was expanding our driveway and adding more concrete and just doing some landscaping. And we'd gone out of town, and they'd promised that they would have some things done by the time we got back in town, and it wasn't done. It was behind schedule. And I came back, and I was frustrated because I'd been promised something that they were not delivering on. And so I was going to, like, you know, kind of going to be stern that day with him and I looked out there and I was about to go out there because I was just frustrated because there was just the one guy the owner of the company working by himself that day and it's like God like opened my eyes and opened my heart because it's like all of a sudden I just saw him in a different way and I noticed how he was just sweating and so hot because you know Alabama gets in the summertime it was he was just drenching in sweat Uh, I noticed it was probably like you know 12 30 or one o'clock I didn't think he'd eaten and so I just felt like God telling me to go offer to get him lunch And so I offered, I was like, you know, hey, can I get you some lunch and something to drink? And he was like, that would be great. So I got that for him and it felt better. And I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to let this be the day that I go off on him. You know, I get mad about my driveway being behind schedule. But anyway, later that day, Harry was talking to him and he was talking about how much he appreciated that meal that I brought him because he was not going to, he was just going to work through lunch. He was not going to eat. And he had had either somebody quit or his people didn't show up. Like, that's why he was by himself was because nobody came. And then he shared that a few weeks before that, his wife had been diagnosed with cancer. So they were also juggling that at home. And so I felt so, I was just, thank you, God. Like, I felt so grateful that I didn't, again, act on that knee-jerk response. Because I was like, I would have felt horrible. Of course, I didn't know those things. But the fact is, you know, we shouldn't know these things. It shouldn't take knowing these things about people's lives to make us do the right thing Mm. or to make us have that self-control or to treat them with gentleness. Mm. And so, but we live in a world, like, if people know that, they'll do it. But if they don't know it, they're just going to, like, lash out. And -hmm. I think that's just a lesson for all of us. And it's those little moments like that, that that gives us the opportunity to grow in holiness and in virtue and the fact that you know god was gracious enough to let me hear the real story behind the scenes like that was a reminder to me like next time don't act on that knee-jerk reaction right. you know because you never know what that person is going through mm-hmm. yeah you reminded me of a story on the topic of stories whenever that new restaurant kava opened and when i went it was like one of the opening weeks and there was a long line during rush hour lunch and this guy who had been waiting on his food for over an hour 
which is very upsetting because, you know, he had to get back to work and all the things. He is, like, going at it, yelling at this lady, being like, I mean, people have gotten their food before. Like, in the past 30 minutes, I've been here for over an hour. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I've asked you three times. Like, I just don't understand. Like, and I actually, it's a Christian guy that I know Uh -uh. who, like, I actually (laughs) really look up to. So I was thrown off for a lot of reasons. But um, anyway, (laughs) I was in line. Like, I was walking in line pretty quickly after that. And I go up to the lady, and I'm like, I just, she just sat there looking with her head down and like taking it. And she Mm. just was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, It's on me. You know, here's a free drink. You know, just like so sweet about it. And I walk up to her to pay for my lunch. And I was like, you just handled that like a champ. And she goes, there's nothing I can do about it. There is nothing I can do. And I'm like, that is so true. Like some things we just can't control. Right. Um, I feel like sometimes in moments where, things are so offensive and just so out of sorts. It's crazy how sometimes like you can find the Lord there too, you know, just Mm -hmm. where you feel like you're being a little bit mistreated and a little bit, um, talked down to all the things. It was just so cool to me. I'm like that girl, I don't know if she believes in God, but she has the Holy Spirit in her because that was the most gentle response I've ever seen. And no, I know exactly what you're (laughs) saying that. Yeah. That sometimes you just got an, I mean, and not externally laugh, but sometimes you just have to laugh when somebody's right. doing that inside. Which goes like, back to joy. Which goes back to joy uh-huh. and be like, you know what? There's nothing I can do about it. He's just having a bad day. I've yeah. had bad days too. But What do you say to someone like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's just thinks who sees joy in everything, you know? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes that can change the tone for everybody else too. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend who, it's you know, she she's full of joy, like just always laughing, always smiling. It's like almost nothing can shake her. And... It's you wouldn't think that she's had a hard life, but she has. You know, she lost one of her parents, and um, anyway, she has not had the perfect life, but she is marked with joy. Because some people are joyful, mm-hmm. and other people are like marked with joy. Yeah, and, and some people are peaceful, but then like others are like marked with peace. You know, like it's cool how God displays His character through people that way. But anyway, this girl, um, you know, it's not that she's not serious. You know, it's not like you just laugh and like don't think. T- don't take things seriously but I asked her one time I was like how do you like just live like that and she's like you know I just don't take anything too seriously to the point that I can't laugh and like love about it Mm -hmm. like or to the point that you can't laugh about it and still love the person in front of you you know yeah it's like because there's so many things we can't control in life and if you go ahead and decide to have that response of like I'm just not going to take anything too seriously to the point that I can't laugh and Mm Um, and I think people too that have experienced some trauma especially at a time before Mm -hmm. you would expect to like Mm -hmm. losing a parent when you're young or I have a friend who lost a child and um, and she talks about in her job people are always like how do you stay so calm and she just it just takes a lot to ruffle her Mm -hmm. but I think when you've gone through something like that like everything else feels so minuscule Mm -hmm. in comparison that it's just not a big deal right that it just but I was like sometimes I think somebody grown in the right direction that, that's mm-hmm. I don't want to say the silver lining of trauma but that's a mark that I see in a lot of people who have walked through really hard things so is true. that they have a joy and a calm and a peace that most people mm-hmm. don't have because they're like right. if I can survive this like this mm-hmm. is this is level 10 trauma you mm-hmm. know so anything else is a two in comparison yeah I think gratitude is a huge thing too it's mm-hmm. not a fruit of the spirit but if I could add one it would be that just I know because we just have no idea how good God has been to us and I don't think about that enough, you know, like on my worst day, not only like 
spiritually, but like physically, like where we're at in life and the families and the cities and on our worst day, we don't realize how good we have it. Um, like his grace is so seeped in our lives. He protects us from things we don't see all the time. He um, gifts us with things we don't always recognize or appreciate. You know, like he is working everything out for our good. There's always a reason to thank God, you know, even in the hardest moments. Mm-hmm, definitely. You know, and another fruit of the Holy Spirit that I think is important is faithfulness. Mm. And that plays wow. out a thousand ways. But, you know, it's faithfulness not only in like what he's telling us to do with our with our life or our talents or whatever else he's given us, but it's just those faithfulness in those little moments that, mm-hmm. you know, this has happened to me a lot. Like, you know, somebody's going for a goal or trying to do something, and I've got a little piece of information that I know could help them. But yes. then there's that part of you like, I don't want to offer that. <laughs> like, right. maybe I don't want to help them achieve that goal, you know, or right. is it jealousy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, okay, you feel God calling you, prompting you to share that, mm-hmm. you know, and it might be a connection you have or somebody, right. whatever, but you know it's going to help them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's those little moments of faithfulness, like, okay, yes. God, like, this is hard, but I'm going to trust you, right. you know, that you're going to bless this path that I'm on because I'm right. doing the right thing here. Right. And I think faithfulness looks like continuing to seek God even when life is hard, you know, because there are times when we get to, like, feel God's presence and we get butterflies and chills and all the things when we feel God's presence, but sometimes we don't feel anything at all and we're going through a numb season and a dark season. But I think being faithful even in those seasons is huge. And I listened to the Handlebar podcast recently and Aaron Smith is a pastor at Upper Room and he said the question was, how do you define success in the Christian life? And he said it's faithfulness. And, you know, the other co-host was probably like, why? Like, where'd you get that? You know, like maybe he didn't explicitly ask that, but he was explaining it. And he talked about how, you know, when we get to heaven, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Like he could use any word right there. You right. Know? That's so true. Not good and successful servant, not good and uh, rich servant, not good and whatever. Like he says, good and faithful servant. And I think about that and I'm like, wow, like I want to measure my success by my faithfulness, you know, to God, to His Word, to seek Him, and, yeah, to obey Him, like when He speaks to us in those here and now moments. Yeah, you know, I think Mother Teresa said, it was a quote, that God is not calling us to be successful. He's calling us to be faithful. Wow. And she's such a good example of that, that, you know, she, Mm -hmm. they found out after she passed away, and I think I've mentioned this before, that she went through a really long, dark night of the soul where she didn't feel God, and nobody knew it when she was alive, but yet she was serving the poorest of the poor in the world. And I'm like, can you imagine doing that work? I mean, she was right. just, and she was so holy. Like, you know, I hear sermons by people who met her on an elevator or they mm-hmm. actually encountered her. And they were like, you could just feel like the Holy Spirit, like beaming out of her. Wow. And just things that she would say. I mean, it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. But she went through a really long, dark night of the soul where she just didn't feel God, didn't hear God, like did not feel that connection. Yet she kept doing what he called her to do. And it wasn't even until after she died that people realized that she'd had that. And to me, I think that's that's the kind of hero we need because we all are going to go through those seasons where you're like, Uh you just got to get through it, (laughs) you know, and you got to keep trusting and believing that what the Bible says is true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but it's hard in those moments, but that's true faithfulness. And he does reward it. It might not be rewarded on the side of heaven, but mm-hmm. one day in heaven it will be rewarded. So true. And just trusting that. So true. Um, yeah, and I think about, like, you know, what has God entrusted to us? Like, whatever he's entrusted to us, it's something for everybody. And 
the question I want to ask myself is like, how am I being faithful with what he's already entrusted to me? You know, like it's good to have dreams. It's good to have vision for your life. But like how many, like the 40 girls that come to this Bible study, like how can I be faithful with those girls Mm -hmm. or like the city I live in? Like, how can I like bloom where he placed me, you know, in the family that I'm in? How can I be faithful with the brothers that he gave me, the parents he entrusted? Just it's, it's not about, cause earlier I was like trying to switch out the word faithful. Like he didn't say good. And, rich servant, he didn't say good, and wealthy servant, whatever, I keep going to that, but it's not bad, I mean, God trusts a lot of people, trusts some people with those things, and it's not a matter of, you know, what he trusted to you, it's just like, what are you doing with it, you know, like, is your goal to get more and more of that, or is your goal to use whatever God trusted you to be faithful to him, and to expand his kingdom, you know, because if it's not used for the kingdom, it's worthless, you know, like, it won't show up in heaven, it's not going to cross over, and I don't know. Part of me loves that Mother Teresa went through that dark night of the soul and like that no one really knew about it. Mm-hmm. It was like she had everything she needed like in the Lord. But I also think that, you know, if you're going through a dark night of the soul, it's helpful to talk about it with someone you trust and to ask for a prayer from people that um, love the Lord. And like there are things you can do to get through that and, and still be faithful. Um, but it's really cool to me that it's not like Mother Teresa was like, I feel like she was a pretty hidden person in general you know Mm -hmm. she was so good about just being like her allegiance was to god you know like he was her audience and i feel like we could all learn from that yeah and she was she was big on just you just be faithful to that person in front of you it's not she changed the world but that was her whole philosophy was Mm -hmm. um she was after she modeled it after saint therese who was a saint who came before her but she was called the little flower and she she would talk about how a child would be enamored with a flower, like mm-hmm. something that we're not enamored with, that that's how God wants us to be with that person in front of us. And it's oh. all about like just impacting that one person. Don't look at the whole masses. And so that's what I think is so cool about Mother Teresa is that she's like one of the greatest saints of our modern times, but yet her philosophy was so simple. It's really mm-hmm. about just loving that person in front of you. That's amazing. And she didn't set out to do, she didn't set out to accomplish all that she did and to mm-hmm. create this ministry that she did she was just being faithful in those little things mm-hmm. that's amazing because everyone can do that you mm-hmm. know? it does it makes it doable for everybody right it keeps it simple well I think this has been such a good conversation yeah. and yeah I think that you know whether you know I think we can call ourselves or consider ourselves a good girl in comparison or the good guy in comparison and it's just really easy to rest there and to get content there but just you know I want to leave everybody maybe with a, a challenge to just you know think about Rather than comparing ourselves to the people around us, just really think about, okay, what is God calling me to be and what is Jesus modeling for me that I'm, I'm here to imitate? You know, mm-hmm. how can I be an imitator of him? And just letting that be the bar that we're trying to, that we're trying to hit, even though we miss it repeatedly. We need right. his grace as we fail and fail again. Mm-hmm. But just know there's so much love and grace in that. Mm-hmm. And, that um, and that's what's going to help us become the person we're meant to be and grow closer to God and be able to hear him and see him better in the meantime. And I think there's nothing more virtuous than being aware of your need for him. Yes. So, yes. Def- most of all. Start there. Just acknowledge yeah. your need for him. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, I love this conversation. And why don't we wrap it up by just saying a little prayer for the girls or the moms or whoever it is who is listening. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Okay. Lord, thank you for this conversation. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you for your grace that is in all and over all and that gives us the ability, Lord, to do every single thing we just talked about. We cannot do it without your grace. We cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. So we just submit every request to you. We submit every listener to you. We submit every topic we just talked about, Lord. Just whatever was out of 
out of line with your character and your word, just let it fall dead um, and not reside in anyone's mind and heart, but the words that come from you and the things we said that are your heart, Lord, let those remain and let those multiply and let those seep into the hearts of the listeners. I pray, God, that you would help us. You know, we believe it. This is true, but help us in our unbelief. Um, only you can satisfy us. Only you um, satisfy our, our desires with good things. Um, and only you can help us look more like Jesus. That's what we want, Lord. We want to look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. Please keep giving us the strength and the humility and the grace to do that, Lord, all for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And dear Lord, we just praise you for this day. I praise you for Mary Lauren in this conversation. And we just ask that you just bless every every girl, every mom, every person who's listening and just speak to their heart. We ask that you help them see themselves through your eyes and uh, not compare themselves to look by looking left and by looking right, but just by knowing how much you love them and that you created them intentionally and specifically for this moment in time. And God, we just ask that you just fill them with your love as as they learn to um, maybe evaluate themselves and you know think about their spiritual journey and where they are now and where they want to go and how they want to grow closer to you and maybe open their eyes to those areas that that might need some that might need some attention might need some TLC but always filling those voids and needs in their hearts with grace and love and just the assurance that um, they are perfectly loved as they are and that this is all so that they can become better servants for you and grow closer and more into the image of Jesus. And we just praise you for your goodness. We praise you for this gift that we have to talk about these things publicly. And we just ask for your blessing upon every listener. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm so grateful to have you here. And if you enjoyed the show, please follow the Girl Mom Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. And leave a ratings or review so others can find these messages too. Also, my new book for moms called More Than a Mom, How Prioritizing Your Wellness Helps You and Your Family Thrive is now available everywhere books are sold. This book is for girl moms and boy moms and full of encouragement no matter what season of parenting you're in. Find the link to this book and my other books in the show notes. Thanks again for your support and have a great day.